0: So tonight we're going to be back in the book of Ephesians. We're going to carry on in chapter 2. Last time I taught, we covered uh, verses 1 through 7. Let's read them, uh, chapter 2, 1 through 10, and then we'll get started in it. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we'll finish in verse 10. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to this worldly age, according to the ruler of the atmospheric domain, the spirit now working in the disobedient, We, too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And by nature, we were children under wrath as the others were also. But Yahweh, who is abundant in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. By grace you're saved. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Yeshua so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ Yeshua. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is, it is Yahweh's gift, not from works, so that no man can boast. For we are his creation, created in Christ Yeshua for good works, which Yahweh prepared ahead of time, so that we should walk in them. Like I said, last time I talked, we talked through the first seven verses of the chapter. And while it's somewhat convicting, it's also somewhat refreshing. I mean, nobody nobody wants to hear that they're a sinner or they're dead in their trespasses. If you remember last time I talked, I talked just that, that you were, you were dead. We were the servants to Satan until Yahweh gives us a new heart. We walk in wicked ways and we serve him. That's what we do. But everyone loves to hear that they're saved. Somebody wants to hear that they're born again and that they've been chosen or redeemed by Yahweh. Well, I want to point out that you can't have one without the other. See, there's no need for salvation for a man that's not in trouble. And there's no need for redemption for a man that doesn't know owe a debt. A freed man doesn't need someone to buy him out of slavery. He's a freed man. So you get my point. you, you got to be lost in order to be found. you got to be in trouble in order to be saved. Well that's what we discussed last time. Paul starts the second chapter and he tells his whole audience that they were dead. That's what I told you guys last time when I when I started this chapter, that they were dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the world, following the devil, the spirit, working in the disobedient. He shows them their depravity and includes himself in with them. Paul doesn't leave himself out. He talks about them too. He says in verse three, he says, We too, including himself, talking about everybody, we too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts and by nature we were children under wrath as the others were also he's trying to paint a picture here for his audience he says we're all dead in our sins remember when i talked before we talked about what it meant to be dead i made the point about the corpse how no one could speak to a corpse and neither would they do so When we go to a funeral, you don't pull up a chair beside the casket and start talking to the dead man about the the plans for his future. You know He doesn't have any plans for the future, and if he had any, he's not going to tell you about them anyway. Well, Paul's making the same point here. However, he's not talking about the physical death of a person, but the spiritual nature of a man being dead. Two different concepts. We're not talking about the physical body dying. Paul's talking about the spiritual nature. He's talking about the death that results in the alienation of man from Yahweh, the separation of the two. See, man's problem is not that he can't associate with people or go to work or mow the grass, be a good father, be a good husband. A man can get up physically and do all those things every day. His problem is that he can't associate with Yahweh. He's spiritually separated from the Creator. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 says that they're excluded from the life of Elohim. Paul is just using a physical analogy to promote a spiritual understanding. And true enough, we are all dead prior to our conversion. Before you received a heart change, you're a dead man. You're physically alive, but you're just like a zombie. You're walking around, and then from a spiritual standpoint, you're dead. You don't have to do anything to be dead. You're born that way. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but you're born dead. Because we're all born into sin, we automatically desire that which is unholy. That makes us basically born dead. See, a murderer is not a murderer because he kills someone. A man kills someone because he's a murderer. See, if we're not born again, we're murderers. We've just not performed the act yet. We're murderers in our heart. If you hate your neighbor, it's the same thing. You're born walking in a sinful way. Your wicked actions are a product of your inability to act righteous. Your inability to act righteous is formed by your deadness. It's because you're dead inside. First Timothy 5, 6 says, She that lives in pleasure is dead even while she lives, even while she's alive, she's dead. It's a case of depravity. A man has no say in his state. He don't have a say in, what, in what's going on. He's only fulfilling that which he's born to do. So by nature, we're all children under wrath. We talked about that last time. What does that mean? What actually does it mean to be a child under wrath? Well, it basically means that you're, you're the bullseye for Yahweh's guns of judgment. Notice Paul uses the word by nature. Not by Yahweh's desire, but by you following the course of your life. By walking the way that you walk, you're destined for destruction. You are headed for destruction. The day that you're born, the day that you you break the birth womb and you're, and you're born, from that day forward, you're as good as dead, unless, unless Yahweh chooses to give you a, a new heart. There's no man that doeth good and sinneth not. We all fail, every single one of us. You don't have to be a certain category of person to fit the bill. You were born this way. This is the part that you play. This is this is what you have to do with your salvation. You, you fit the bill of lost. You make yourself lost. The wicked part. And you got it down to a T. But it's not so much what you do as it is what you fail to do. See, we fail to reach the glory of Yahweh. We all in here know that sin is transgression of the law, right? We all know that the word law comes from the Hebrew word Torah, which means instructions. So if we transgress Yahweh's Torah or his instructions, we miss the mark, to fail, we fail to hit the target, we call that sin, First John chapter 3, 4. We're less than perfect at that point. At that point, we've fallen short of the glory of Yahweh. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, it says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heaven, heavenly Father is perfect. Or First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. We failed, not by what we did so much. It's what we don't do. It's what we fail to do. We see the work of perfection, and we try our best to achieve, uh, to achieve it, but we fail. I was thinking about this the other night. We were playing ping pong. Kim and I in the basement that I finally got finished, by the way. And uh, I thought, man, what if I never lost? What if I never lost a serve? Every time I hit the ball, I just, man, it was a point for me. I never lost. I mean, played 25 games of ping pong a day, and never miss a stroke. That'd be pretty cool, pretty Forrest Gump of me, you know. I guess someone might actually be able to achieve that with enough practice, but probably not me. Probably not me. Kim beats me about half the time. And truthfully, the most skilled person, ping pong player in the world, Forrest Gump, whoever it might be, they're bound to make a mistake sooner or later, and they're going to miss the ball. That's what it's like trying to reach perfection with Yahweh. That's what it's like. You, you, You just... You can't. There's, there's no perfection. There's perfection with him, but you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. And even and even when you're made new, you still won't do it. You still won't do it. Because no matter how great you get, no matter how good you are at keeping the law, no matter how new your heart is, it's still incarcerated. It's incarcerated with this fleshly body. And this fleshly body still desires that old sinful, sinful way of life. And so you're going to fail. We'd have to be perfect just as he is perfect. It's impossible as long as our spiritual nature is dead. We can never be perfect. Don't get me wrong. I can do some good things. I can do good by my neighbor. I can be a good husband. I can give to the poor, so forth and so on. But I'll never meet Yahweh's standard of perfection as long as my spiritual nature is dead. So this is where we stand, dead in our trespasses and sins, sitting right in front of Yahweh's crosshairs as children under wrath. That's what it means to be children under wrath. We, we are expecting the wrathful judgment of Yahweh. But Yahweh, but Yahweh, in verse 4, those are some of the sweetest words I've ever heard. I think this may be one of my new favorite verses because it says, but Yahweh. Not me, it didn't say but TJ. Manned up and got it all right, it says, but Yahweh. Remember Matthew's last sermon, I think it's Galatians 1 and verse 15, it says, but when Yahweh. Set me apart from my mother's womb, I'm talking about Paul, same author right here. But when Yahweh set me apart from my mother's womb, that was that's when that's when the saving grace takes place. Same thing here, but Yahweh, who is abundant in mercy, because of his great love he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though, even though we were dead in trespasses. Not even though you started keeping all the commandments. Right. Even though you were dead in trespasses, you were dead. Right. Sinful state. Yahweh makes us alive. I think it's beautiful. I think it's absolutely beautiful. The dead man is made alive by the Father that created him. We were dead sinners left to ourselves, but Yahweh, rich in mercy, made us alive. And how? He gives us a physical birth, but we're spiritually dead. He's got to give us a spiritual nature. It takes it. And he does that through the Messiah. Because of the Messiah, we are now made alive and appear perfect even though we're not. Now, I've basically recap my whole sermon from the last time I talked to get to this point, to point out and reiterate to you just how depraved you really are. I do this so that you can understand how great Yahweh really is. If I don't show you how wicked you are, there's no way in the world you'll appreciate the gift that Yahweh has to give you. If you think you have anything to do with Yahweh's mercy, you'll miss Paul's whole point here. And I think that's an oxymoron in itself. If you think you have something to do with Yahweh's mercy, that's something that he gives that you can't give. But if you think you've got anything to do with it, you're going to miss Paul's point here. Verse 6 says this. It says, He raised us up, seated us with Christ in the heavens. Brothers and sisters, that's a future statement, but it's as good as done. It's a prophetic statement. He's raised us up. He's seated us in the heavens with Christ. It's as good as going to take place. We're as good as there. The spiritual renewing has been done now when he gives us a new heart, gives us a heart of flesh that can be molded and shaped and caused to love him. But the physical aspect, it'll come at a later time. Verse 7, he says, He did it so that he might show you in the coming ages just how immeasurable the riches of his grace and kindness are. Notice this. If you've got your Bible, you need to mark this down. He says this, Notice, he does this, not you. It's his abundant mercy. It's his great love. He's the one that raised us up. He seated us with his son. It's his riches and kindness that will be displayed. Isn't that wonderful? You know what you did? We already discussed this last time, but you were dead. You walked in the ways of the world. You followed the desires of your flesh. That's what you did. That's how you contributed. You did everything wrong. And he did everything right. But Yahweh made a way for us through his son. And I say all this to get to verse 8, which is really the point of the sermon today. But before we read it, I want to point out to you one more time. I want you to realize what you are in yourself prior to Yahweh's intervention. It's so important that that someone realizes they're sick before they're offered a cure. Otherwise, they may not have anything to do with it. So I just want to drive it home. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You have zero hope. Before Yahweh intervenes and makes a way for you through His Son. And why? Why does He even bother to make a way for us? Why does Yahweh intervene and change the whole outcome? Because of His abundant mercy and His great love for us. For He first loved us. That's why we love Him. Verse 8 tells us, For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It's a gift of Yahweh. Brothers and sisters, it's a gift. It's a beautiful gift precious gift. Verse 10 is going to tell us why in just a minute, why he gives us a gift, But, but first notice it's Yahweh's grace that saves you through faith. It's his grace that's a gift, but also faith. It's a gift as well. It's not of yourself, but rather Yahweh's gift. The method of obtaining salvation is not anything you do, but rather all that which he does. All that which he does. That's how you obtain salvation. Not only does he have grace upon your life, but he gives you the faith believe. We as humans, Dan and I was talking about this the other day. We as humans naturally have some faith. That's our nature. We have faith, okay? You show faith every day in almost everything you do. When you get in a car and go down the road, you have faith that the tires aren't going to fall off of it. That's faith. That's faith. If you get in that tire that car and you thought those tires were going to fall off, you probably wouldn't get in it. But you've got faith that they're bolted on tight and you can make it down the road and they're not going to fall off. When you ride on a plane, you have faith that the pilot didn't just start flying that morning. Nobody ever asks the pilot for credentials when they get on the airplane. We just get on. I, I have boarded a lot of airplanes, a lot of airplanes. The pilot's always standing at the d- cockpit door when I get on the plane, pushing my little bag down there, and I never stop and say, Let me see your credentials. I don't ask, I just get on the plane, and by faith, I get on that plane and I fly. And every morning we go outside and we have faith that the sun's going to be shining. It's going to be daylight that day. We exhibit faith every day in something, one way or the other. It's, na- it's natural. It's a, it's a natural ability that we have. But Yahweh uses that ability to cause us to trust in him and the work of his own son. However, it's by his grace that your faith is actuated to believe in his son. It's Yahweh's gift to you. It's not your own work, or you would boast about it. If you said, "Well, man, I believed, but I believed, but I believed," so I did something. You did do something, but it's not by your own, not by your own efforts. It's Yahweh's gift to you. It's not your own work. Verse nine says this. It says, "Not from works, so that no one can boast." I've heard people say, "Well, believing's working. That's what I do for my salvation." Well, believing is the action of faith which was activated by Yahweh's grace. So yes, you believe, and that is the action that you exhibit. That's what you show. That's what you bring forth. But why? Yahweh made you have the faith. He caused you to have his faith in his son. And praise Yahweh. Notice also where it says, not from works. In verse 9, I'd like to make another point here. You can't add to grace. You can't add to Yahweh's grace. Not from works means you can't do anything to better his grace. There's nothing more that you can do to be saved. I don't care if you keep the right Sabbath or the wrong Sabbath. I don't care how many times that you uh, wear your tassels or don't mar the corners of your beard or help your neighbor's ox out of the ditch. I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter if you put your right shoe on first, put your belt in first to the left, It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. All the commandments in the Bible, if you keep every single one of them perfectly, it doesn't matter because you broke one of them from here on out if you kept them perfectly because you broke one of them in the past. And therefore, you're doomed. And you can't add to His grace. You can't sin less to be saved more. And you can't sin more to be saved less. If Yahweh's giving you grace, He's giving you grace. If He's chosen you and you're one of His vessels, He will sanctify you, and one day He will glorify you. If you're Yahweh's child, you're Yahweh's child. There are no amount of good deeds that will qualify you for the kingdom. See, we're all dead, but Yahweh gives us grace, and by that grace He causes us to have faith, and by that faith we're made alive and we can be seated with Him and His Son. That's it. No more, no less. Praise Yahweh. We don't have to remain dead. We don't have to remain in the sinful state. We're made alive by grace through faith, a gift of Almighty Yahweh. And you know, a second ago, I, I said that you can't sin less to be saved more. We tend to categorize sins into levels, some worse worse than others. Frankie mentioned it at the Sabbath service the other night. He talked about homosexuals and Sabbath breakers. He was talking about some of the homosexuals that he was around, possibly out in, in California. And he said that he made, he made the comment that he said we look at that, that homosexual as a certain certain type of person, but then we don't we don't worry about Sabbath breakers at all. We might think, well if I sin less than a murderer, I'll be safe more than him. But that's not the way it works. I was thinking about these two prisoners that escaped from the transport the other day down in Madison. They got out in Putnam County, Madison. It's down there where I live. I don't know if anyone heard about it on the it was all over the news, but it was a big fiasco that they made about them and the cops that they killed during the escape. And I heard they had a bounty out for him. it exceeded $100,000 and how the feds had, you know, put a bounty on them and said dead or alive. And I started to think, what if the feds upheld all of Yahweh's laws, not just the ones about murder, what if they issued a warrant for everyone who broke the Sabbath? $100,000 fine, dead or alive, for the man that broke the Sabbath. You know, what about that? What about that? According to the scripture, the death penalty applies to both offenses. Sabbath breakers, we worthy of death. They're to be stoned to death, just like a murderer, just like rapists, and just like children who don't honor their mother and their father. The Messiah taught the death penalty about children. He taught the death penalty about children. Children that don't honor their mother and their father, they're supposed to be stoned to death. That's a death penalty. Now, what if the feds said, we've got a child over here, that his mother and father's 50 or 60 years old, they're physically unable to feed their cells, and he won't go by and feed them or help take care of them. We're going to offer a $100,000 reward, dead or alive, whoever brings that man to me, we're going to stone him to death. What about that? What about that? We'll look at things a little bit different, won't we? According to the Scripture, the penalty's the same. See, we're quick to get on those bandwagons and start chunking rocks when it's not a sin that we struggle with. I'll admit, I, I think I even made the comment, they shouldn't even get back to jail. They ought to shoot them. That's what I was thinking in my mind. They, they'd have killed two innocent you know, police. They ought to kill them. They ought not let them back in jail. you know. But what really makes them different than me? What makes them different than me? Sure, I've never killed anybody, but I've definitely broke Yahweh's law on most accounts, and I've done some pretty serious things in my life according to our modern-day categorizing of sins. But Yahweh intervened in my life, and He gave me His grace. So what makes me think he can't change their hearts like he changed mine? Those two guys. What makes me think any different? We shouldn't desire for souls to perish in their sin. We should desire that they be saved. Think about Paul. He was a murderer of many. Yet every Christian theologian, pastor, preacher, Bible student today thinks that he was one of the greatest Bible men in the history of Bible men. And let me tell you something, folks. Paul wasn't going to get saved when Yeshua saved him. He was going to find a bunch of righteous people that he wanted to have persecuted and put to death. Righteous people. This is what, who Paul was. That's where he was headed. He wasn't going to uh, the local church down the street to praise and worship on the back of the pew somewhere. He wasn't going to a youth conference so that he could say a prayer and be saved. That's not what Paul was looking for. He was going to find those who were part of the church of Christ. And he was going to persecute them. Kill him. But Yahweh, but Yahweh, who is abundant in mercy and because of his great love that he had for Paul, he struck him down on the road to Damascus and he made him one of the most righteous men in the Bible. Boy, what a blessing for Paul, huh? That Yahweh just imposed his will on Paul, overtook his flesh, caused Paul to walk in a way worthy of his calling. Just jumped all over Paul. Paul didn't have anything to do with it. Paul didn't have anything to do with it. He's he's headed to go kill somebody or at least imprison some people and bring them back. Strolling down the street, bright light comes on. Whoa, Paul, where are you headed? Where are you headed? Paul didn't go down here to the church and say, I want to be saved. He didn't do that. He didn't get down here crying at the front of a pew at an altar calling and say, hey, save me and say this special prayer. And all of a sudden, you know, he was saved. That's not the way it worked. And that's not the way it works with anybody. Yahweh calls people that he calls because he wants to save somebody. Boy, what a blessing. What a blessing. It doesn't sound so bad when you put it like that. I've heard people say that uh, I don't think Yahweh should uh, have to cause me to love him for me to love him. Well, let me tell you something, folks. You don't love him if he don't cause you to love him. You know, people say, Well, it's not real love if somebody has to make you love him. Well, you don't love Yahweh if he don't make you love him. You don't have it in you to love Yahweh. You don't have the desire to be righteous unless he puts it in you. You don't you don't want to walk worthy of the calling that you've been called for. You walk worthy of the calling that you have, your earthly calling. You do that all just fine. You do that just fine. Paul was doing the same thing. He thought he was doing good. He thought he was doing good. You're just lost. You're dead. And the only way you cannot be dead is that Yahweh changes you and makes you alive by his grace. That's the reason Paul says that it's a gift of Yahweh, not from works so that no one can boast. It's a precious gift. And Yahweh chooses whom he gives it to. Not you, not me. We don't get to pick. He chooses. We don't get to to say, Yahweh can't save those prison escapees or those homosexuals that Frankie was out there. We can't tell Yahweh that he can't save a murderer Yahweh gives his gift to whom he chooses. And no one, no one can boast about it. You can't say I'm saved and you're not because I did this. You can't say that. You didn't have anything to do with it. Verse 10. This is where we find out why he gives us such an awesome gift. It says, For we are all his creation, created in Christ Yeshua for good works, which Yahweh prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. For we are all his creation, who's Paul talking about? He's talking about those who have been shown grace and believe in Christ. Those are the people, the we, that's who they are. Because of the beginning of the letter, that his audience are the believers in Christ. Verse 1 in chapter 1, it says, To the saints and the believers in Christ at Ephesus. That's who he's talking to. They're just believers. So that's who he's speaking to, and he says, We are his, speaking of Yahweh, his creation, created in Christ, speaking of Yeshua, for good works. Now, that's something interesting. Paul says we're created for good works. And this whole time I've been teaching that, hey, works don't do anything. But Paul says we're created for good works. Well, that's right. We are created for good works. But that's not the reason that Yahweh saves us. He saves us for the good works that will come after. But he don't save us because of the good works we did. We didn't do any prior to him saving us. We're saved for good works. This is the reason that He gives us the gift. He's foreordained us to do good works. So He saves us in His Son to accomplish just that. Notice which one comes first. Verse 8. Saved by grace and faith. That's first. Not of works in verse 9. Then in verse 10. We are His creation, made new in Christ, as you have four good works. That's second. It always comes afterwards. It's the grace and faith that are first and the works that are second. Notice you're not saved by works but for works. When Yahweh saves you, who gets the glory? Yahweh. Yahweh gets the glory. If you saved yourself, you would get the glory. You would. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, without the gift from Yahweh, you're dead. So at that point, you can't save yourself. So Yahweh saves with no help whatsoever. He, does, he doesn't need your help. You've done enough, by the way. It's nothing you do. He has grace on you. He activates your faith so you believe and you start to produce good works. Works are always a product of regeneration not a component for regeneration. It would be wise for all of us to remember that, always. And these works, the end of verse 10 says, which Yahweh prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. What did Yahweh prepare ahead of time? It's the good works that he created you for and he saved you for. Those good works are the fruit of a process called sanctification. Regeneration, sanctification, they're theological terms. Regeneration means the changing of the heart. Sanctification means a edifying, a growing, a building up of somebody, a change in a person that happens after regeneration takes place. This is what we do as we grow in Yeshua. We start to be like Him. We walk like Him. We talk like Him. We look like Him. We resemble the character that Yahweh considers perfect. Yahweh considered his son perfect, and as we start to grow, we start to look like him. We mimic our Lord and our Savior. I want to illustrate this process with Paul's life as we know it according to the scriptures. In Philippians chapter 3, it says that Paul was a Hebrew born of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees to the law. He was so zealous he persecuted the church. And as to the righteousness that is in the law, he was blameless. So he was a pretty righteous guy, so he thought. And I'm sure everyone else did. There is not a man in here, probably, I would, I would say. There's not a person that you could probably name or put your finger on that was as righteous according to the law as Paul was. You probably don't know one. They lived it, guys. We're 2,000 years removed from the time of Christ. They lived it to a T. They lived it. They, something unclean would have never entered their lips. They were raised in it. They were brought up in it. Most of us are converts that come from somebody sharing the gospel with us, teaching us the law, and now we know what we know because somebody's helped us. But we didn't grow up in that, in that, um, culture and in those circumstances. I guarantee you, Paul was probably fit, considered one of I think it says in Galatians that he was excelling in 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 his knowledge and and what he knew he was he was super sharp he probably kept the law to a t and right here it says according to the righteousness of the law, he was blameless he was blameless, so he's a pretty righteous guy, you know. At least he thought so. What he was doing, persecuting the saints, he thought he was doing righteously. He didn't think he was murdering people. He thought he was doing Yahweh's a service because he thought that the people were blaspheming about the name of Yahweh or about the name of Yeshua. That's That's what he's doing. He thinks he's doing something good, and this man's a law keeper. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we keep the Sabbath, but we don't know, we only know what we know to know. We do the best we can with what we got. These guys lived it, lived it, lived it, lived it. Years and years and years, we do the best we can. We think we got it right. But, I mean, do we make errors? Sure we do. But in Acts chapter 7, this is Paul. In Acts chapter 7, verse 58, Paul's recorded as to have been assisting in the murder of a righteous man named Stephen. In Acts chapter 8, and verse 3, Paul was said to be ravaging the church and would enter house after house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, Paul breathes threats of murder against the disciples of Yahweh. He even went and got letters from the high priest to lock them up where he found them while he was on the road to Damascus. So this is what Paul's life looked like. He thinks he's righteous. He's been brought up religious. He keeps all the physical commands he can think of. And he thinks he's, he's doing Yahweh's, Yahweh a favor by persecuting the Christians or the believers. This is total depravity. Total depravity at his finest. Paul's has lost his last year's Easter egg, and he don't even know it. But to ask him, he would have it right. You know what I mean? He's depraved. He's depraved, and he don't even know it. Paul's dead, and it's not what he's doing; it's what he fails to do. He doesn't believe in Yahweh's one and only Son. That's why he's depraved. It's not because he didn't keep the the Sabbath. He did that. He went to the synagogues. He made the sacrifices. He did all that kind of stuff. He, we've got records of him where he would go to to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yeah, sure. I'm talking about travel miles, man. I'm not talking about, you know, drove in a car in the air conditioned 15 minutes to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is a righteous man, especially in the law. He upholds it. He does what is right. But he's a murderer. And he doesn't believe in the son of Yahweh. And for that reason alone, he is damned and he's destined for the lake. He is in line for the wrath of Yahweh. He's fishing to get blown to smithereens on the day of judgment. But Yahweh, there it is again. (laughs) But Yahweh, who is abundant in mercy because of his great love that he had for Paul, works everything out. Paul struck down on the road to Damascus and blinded. Yeshua says this. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Get up. Go see this man named Ananias in Damascus. So Paul goes to to Damascus and he sees Ananias who heals him of his blindness. Now Yahweh's just made a new creature out of Paul. All this is taking place, okay? And Paul doesn't even know. He's about to because Ananias goes to where Paul is. He places his hands on Paul and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Yeshua who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, he sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That murdering Paul, Mm, he didn't do anything to deserve grace, did he? That murdering Paul. Here comes Ananias, he says, hey, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's right there and then that Paul's faith is activated and he begins to believe. Right then and there. The story goes on to say that Paul was with the disciples in Damascus for a few days and then he immediately, immediately began to proclaim Yeshua in the synagogues that he was the son of Yahweh. That's, that's faith, guys. He didn't believe in this son. He was killing the people who did believe in this son. That's what he's doing. And all of a sudden, that transformation takes place. That's regeneration. That's regeneration at its finest. And you fist in the sea, sanctification. When he starts to preach in the synagogues, those are the good works that Paul was created for. Notice Paul didn't do these good works and then he was saved. No, he was murderer when Yahweh saved him. He was keeping all the law, and he was lost. Every bit of it. Sabbath, new moons, it didn't matter, and he was lost. Lost. And just to prove a point and wrap this up, Yahweh had already planned on saving Paul and already prepared the good works that he'd have him to do. In Galatians 1 and verse 15, it says, But when Yahweh, there it is again, but when Yahweh, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. Paul had a plan he didn't even know about. Paul was born one day, grew up a Pharisee, hated all the Christians, hated everybody that believed in Christ. And the whole time, from his mother's womb is what Paul says, from my mother's womb, Yahweh set me apart. I didn't know anything about this, but I was headed down that road to Damascus one day and he knocked my socks off. And now all of a sudden I'm preaching the gospel. That's what it should look like when you're saved. You should be strolling down that wicked way of life. You should be headed to every hell organization you can think of because that's most of the time that's where we're at. Not Everybody don't travel the same road. Some are a little cleaner than others, but I was headed down a dark one. It had lots of rocks on it. It was nasty. Yahweh hit me like a Mack truck. You ought to look changed. We ought to be a creature that has never been before. We ought to look different. And Paul was. He was just that. He was changed. Acts 9 and verse 15, Yeshua tells Ananias, Go heal Paul, for this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the sons of Israel. See, Yahweh formed Paul in the womb. He allowed him to be born, to grow up a Pharisee, so much that he became a murderer of the Christians. He was dead in trespasses and sins. But Yahweh, he had mercy on Paul and withheld the punishment he deserved. And he gave him grace, and he activated his faith in his only begotten son. And then Yahweh started to sanctify Paul. He caused him to walk in his ways, and Paul did. And he became a great apostle and performed all the good works that Yahweh prepared ahead of time that he should do. You know that Paul is probably considered one of the greatest evangelical preachers of all times. He started more churches than Billy Graham has. I mean, he started a bunch of them. you got to think, Paul went all around the foreign lands, all all around Jerusalem, all those churches, Antioch, and the church in Corinth, that. Church in Ephesus, all those churches. Paul did that. Yeah. Paul did that. He was a great He was a great minister. Yeah. Right after he murdered all those people. Right after he murdered all those people. See, just as Paul was saved from his sins, so are we. We're the same way. We don't do anything to deserve it. We just receive grace when there was no way to earn it. That's what we got. I can't boast, and neither can you, if you are Yahweh's children today, if you're Yahweh's child, It's not because you sought him out, but rather because he chose you. Be thankful that Yahweh loves you. Be thankful that he gave you grace to save you. Be thankful that he gave you faith in his perfect son. And be thankful that he causes you to perform the good works that he prepared ahead of time for you to do. All right, let's pray. Yahweh Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the life of Paul. I'm thankful for your influence on his life father we are all wretched and we're not deserving of anything father if we're deserving of it we would have it i guess but father it's because of your grace that i'm able to stand here today and to preach your word father the other day when i neglected your responsibility to to serve in this congregation father you had every right in the world to take me from here and i'm thankful that you did so father we love you we love you, and we're, and we're so thankful that you're merciful toward us. We're thankful for your abundant mercy and your great love that you have for us. Father, we wouldn't love you without you loving us first. So, Father, we give you praise for that, honor and glory. Father, we worship you. We honor your son today. We're thankful for his work, his perfect work, and his obedient life, that we may have salvation today, and that we may be free from our debts that we owe to you, all because of him. Father, we lift him up today. We glorify you. We honor you and we ask all these things in your Holy Son's name.